Uno, dos, and that is all. Es todo. Season two. Season two. Season two. Welcome to You Made It. I'm Emily. I'm Lady. And I'm Natalie. And this is You Made It. A Goggle Podcast. You Made It is a podcast exploring the living histories of creative communities, makers, and the things that they make. In partnership with Pagoda City Records, we come to you from Goggleworks, one of the largest art centers in the country, located in a former goggle factory in Reading, PA. Hey, y'all. Hi. <laughs> How are we feeling today? How's it going? We're feeling good. I, I feel like we have to do some redacting of past episodes. I've done some research, mm-hmm. I've done some listening, and I've made some mistakes. Thing one... When we were talking about Laura Reppert and the film screening that we're going to do in September, I was so sure of myself. I said, this film is called Reading 1971, Mm. and that's absolutely incorrect. (laughs) The film is called Reading 1974 because it was filmed in... 1974. Uh, And then there's a colon and there's a subtitle and it's called Portrait of a City. So I just wanted to like... Get that correct. Oh, good clarification. Yeah. 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 I also use the word replete um, in reference to the full first season. I've said now that it's a full or a replete thing. And I just want to correct that. That's an incorrect word usage. Do either of you know what replete means? I looked it up. (laughs) No, I don't know if I do now. (laughs) It means like full or sated. Like it it doesn't mean complete. Mm. It means like filled with something. And so... Season one was filled with quite a bit of things, but it, it's not a replete thing. It's a complete thing. Yeah. I feel so much better. I'm glad. Do I'm we glad have you any corrections <laughs> corner? It's weighing on me. <laughs> I just want, you know, I love when people, even when they're dead wrong, say things with absolute 100% assurance. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm attracted to that. <laughs> but sometimes that can be not great. And For sure. it's important to be factual yeah, and correct. So... Thanks for bearing with me. How do you want to start today's episode? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our fact-checking podcast. It's the 15th one. <laughs> I think that we'll, might be yeah. correct. Yeah. I think we're up to 15. Um, well, I have a really important question to ask you. Yeah. What's the question? What's your sign? Oh, uh, so personal. <laughs> I'm a Libra. I'm a Cancer. I'm a Taurus. Okay. What does that mean? It means a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> so many things. I know that I'm a moody homebody who's creative but very sensitive. You said you're Cancer? Yeah. That's a water sign. Right? Yeah. yeah. I feel like we'll have to talk more about this in a minute. Okay. Because we have a new guest. Oh, my God. On the podcast. So excited. I heard a rumor that, like, today's a big day. It is a big day. I'm very yeah. excited. <laughs> we have one of my favorite authors, a fantastic writer, and a Reading, Pennsylvanian, Amy Sarah King. Welcome to Hi. You Made It. Hello. Hello. I'm a Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> water sign. Yes. Nice. Joel's a water sign. Yes. And, uh, I'm a Taurus moon, so ah. uh, I understand. Um, yeah. Hello. Yes, I'm I'm Amy. I'm really it. happy to be here. Thank you for having yeah. me. Amy Sarah King, yeah. also known as A.S. King. Yes. That's me. Yes. Will you... Should we call you Amy? Oh, call me Amy. Okay, Absolutely. cool. Well, we usually start with, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Amy. 
I am a writer and uh, a public speaker, and I write speeches, and I talk to young people. I'm a, an advocate for teenagers. I listen and love them um, and try and help them amplify their voices. I am a mom to two epic kids. I'm a bereaved mom of one epic kid and a mom of a surviving epic kid who is 15. I am a painter. I am a world traveler. I am someone who drives too fast, but don't tell the police that. <laughs> Please, tune out. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, that's that's me. I, I, am, I am a... I'm a big fat nerd on I, like in the back of my yearbooks. I've I'm cleaning out my attic, so I've been like looking at yearbooks. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily looking at them, but I I did have to fact check myself um, because I kept telling people that in the back of all my yearbooks it says to a weird girl I met when, and I was totally right. Like they all say to a weird girl, so I was a weird girl. That's what you need to know. When I was Other younger. people were addressing. Their notes in your yearbook to yeah. you to a weird girl to a weird girl I met in seventh grade. You know, have a nice summer or wow. whatever. Yeah, it's amazing actually how sophisticated yearbook entries get the older you get. Because like mm-hmm. that seventh grade, it's like, you know, talk to you later. So cool. And that's it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And it's like got two words. And then like by the time like high school rolls around, they just they take whole pages. Yeah. It's pretty cool though. Yeah. I wish people still did that. I feel like it's yeah, not as don't. common of a thing anymore. They don't do it? At my not high really. school, we because we didn't really get our yearbooks. To, you had to go back after senior year. Because there were these oh. like bound books and they're yeah. very, you know, different than the ones you'd gotten in elementary school or something like that. And so I just never, there was nothing to sign on the last day of school or anything. So yeah, I'm upset that I missed that. But your book's always fun. I love yeah. it. Amy, yeah. you and I have something in common. We both went to Exeter. Eagles forever. Eagle, Exeter Eagles, Eagles forever. Um, E-A-G-L-E. Oh, I guess that's, yeah, whatever. Um, sports. Uh, you. So I had the pleasure of seeing you at the Riften School when mm-hmm. you did a book reading and signing for Attack of the Black Rectangles, which is your most recent published work? It's my, yeah, it's my most recent published work and my most recent middle grade book. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You mentioned, someone asked you what book inspires you the most? Do you remember what you said? What your go-to? Um, I don't know if it's your go-to answer. I don't maybe. know if it's my go-to for inspired. I have three that, like, I have my favorite book, but then I have the book that inspired me to become an author, which was Confessions of a Teenage Baboon by Paul Zendel. Okay. I stole that from the Exeter Junior High School Library. I still own it. It's on my desk. In fact, I stole every Paul Zendel from that library. <laughs> Listeners, if you're going to the schools these days, don't do that. Um, it's fine. They can find other ways to get you books, but I have apologized. So this has been, this is out. This is out. You will know this information. But that's the one that inspired me to become, to want to be a writer yeah. when I was 14 in the lunch line at Exeter Junior High School. Okay. Um, but then the book that inspires me the most, I think, is either Kurt Vonnegut's God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, um, which is my favorite book because... Oh, uh, he's my Elliot Rosewater is my literary crush, um, but the one that actually inspired me to get my butt out of the chair where I was reading uh, when I was living in Dublin and Ireland, and move to the desk where there was a typewriter and I started writing my first novel was Salman Rushdie's The Satanic Verses. Okay. Did any of them meet no. up with the one in your head? What's the one? No, that, what's the one that you said that night was The Pig Man. Oh. And that the the junior high librarian whose name that I can't remember from Exeter. No. You mixed up your you may, this must be the replete thing going happen in your head oh, again. Oh. <laughs> fact 
checking. No, fact checking your own brain. Of the episode. I would. I could have said that Pat Brizak, who was the seventh grade teacher, she might have been retired by the time you came around. I don't know. Okay. But she was my seventh grade English teacher. She assigned us the Pigman. Okay. That's how I found Zendel, and then I went to the library and found everything else. And and it was it was Confessions of a Teenage Baboon. For some reason, that hits me hardest still. I still read it because I have still have all those books, Um, and I still read all those books, and I lecture quite a bit. Uh, I teach grad school up in Vermont, and I have lectured more than twice about Zendel and specifically that book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have not read that one. So that's going to be top of my list. It's out of print. It's pretty interesting. It's populated by mostly irresponsible adults. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so so true. Okay. Yeah. Because it struck me, maybe maybe it was you saying Zendel's name because I was sitting there and I remember back to junior high Mm -hmm. and the junior high librarian whose name I can't remember recommended that book. And it was the first book that ever made me cry. Oh, I love that story. Yeah. So like I had read books before. And and it's so sad. Yeah. Like you probably cried when the whole party scene happened and Big Natty came home and oh my gosh, all of this. Oh, of course you did. That was the first book where I was like, oh my God, books can do, like movies Mm -hmm. for sure. Other forms of art. I experienced that kind of like catharsis, that, you know, emotional purge. But this was the first time reading and I was like... (gasps) This is transformative. So when you said that, when you just mentioned his name, that author's name, I was like, Amy. Yeah. Oh, and it's it's such a, it's so important. I mean, that's the the, that's the letter I the letters I get. Mm -hmm. Your book made me cry, Mm -hmm. and it's like good. I always want to say good because when music always made me cry. Music's one of my biggest influences. Like so, you know, people will ask what influenced this book and they think it's going to be four other books and it's actually David Bowie, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, or just one album by, you know, whoever. But, um, yeah, you know, it is transformative. That's the whole, like, people don't understand. And I mean, in this day and age, um, and I dare say this might sound political, but I mean, a lot of times when you have solutions, you'll be called out for being political. Um, but books really do save lives. It's something that people will roll their eyes at, you know, but it's true. Um, there are books that absolutely give readers, especially young readers, um, a mirror, um, you know, something that that they're going, oh, there I am. And that's what happened to me with with Confessions of a Teenage Baboon. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that it was really obvious that adults weren't perfect. And, and it wasn't specifically my parents or anything. It was just like an overall feeling of, oh, I'm not I'm not imagining this. Like adults are making it up as they go along. Yeah. I now get paid to go into schools to tell kids adults are making it up as they go along, which <laughs> yeah. is, you know, which is, you know, a fun thing to do. But um but absolutely and I think this is one of the things with, you know, people don't understand that removing certain books from especially a school library where that is really the only place that we can guarantee access to books considering we don't know what backgrounds, you know, most people come from. They may not have access to a public library or have any books in their house. So a school library to to take books out of there when you can on, you can already go in and say, hey, I don't want my kid to read these books, right? So that's already in place. You can already opt your kid out of even going to the library. Right. You can absolutely do that, right? But wanting to remove them to me is an act of abuse because what you're doing is trying to hurt other people's children. And if someone came at your child, you know, trying to hurt them, how would you feel? And then people will blow it off and go, it's just a book. No, it's not actually because... A book can absolutely change your life and can show you who you are. And it's funny you say this, lady, because I just got an, an email from somebody who's like older than me. So probably like she might be 60. She didn't look it, but that's not the point. Um, <laughs> but she wrote to me and she basically said, thank you for the one line 
in Attack of the Black Rectangles where you talked about um, someone being Arrow Ace. It was just a quick mention, okay. and it was about Dennis. And um, and but she said, if some, if I had read that term and then looked it up and understood that term when I, before I got married, I wouldn't have had thirty years of thinking that mm. of trying to fix myself. Yeah. If I, I would have understood myself, and I think that's the thing. You know, that's the wonderful thing about. Gen Z and how open we are and how we are just accepting of and 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 those labels. I see so many people inside the community being, we don't need those labels. And it's like, actually, they really matter. Yep. Like there's a difference between, you know, anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, yes. And that's why some of the people are like, well, we should maybe just have the one queer book then, the one with the few, you know, with that that's that we approve. And it's like, no, 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 no. Right. Oh yeah, sure. Then we'll just have the one book for you guys too. How about yeah. that? One straight book then too. Then we'll just have two <laughs> books in the library. It'll be great. The Bible and the gay book. <laughs> oh the Bible's far too violent. We can't have that's that in the true. school library. That's true. My goodness. <laughs> It's true, though. I mean, my my interaction also with the beginnings of my journey with your work is also from my English teacher, which we were talking about a little bit before. Um, but even then, I'm remembering now that you're saying like all these things about banning books. Um, like there was a period of time that year where they wanted to take certain books out of our library, and like a bunch of us just kind of were like, there was like a Facebook group and like all this stuff because that's what you did in yeah. 2000, whatever that was. When was that? Because I 12? think. That was when you, that's when that, your teacher came back with a bunch of books from our conference and they wouldn't let them put, they wouldn't let her put them in the classroom. I was part of that. Wow. And you know what's amazing? (laughs) No, listen, this is so cool. So there you are, you're a fan of my books. And the reason I write my books is because your English teacher's mom was my English teacher and I had to do a writing assignment in her class. And every single high schooler who's ever seen me speak at a, at a proper assembly, here's the story of how my writing career was started with a can of succotash because I was doing um, this, this what do you call it, a review? It was really a review where they were asking, you know, do you know the first-person point of view? Do you know the third-person point mm-hmm. of view? You know, they're basically just running over um, actually creative writing, which only 5% of, of students in America do now, by the way. It's a very sad state of affairs, which is one of the reasons I do what I do, running writing workshops for young people because expression is so important mm-hmm. and that's what helps us with our mental health. But anyway, um, so I wrote this piece for, for Patty Vroman in 1983, about this can of succotash. It was the first person point of view, but it was for the first, it was from the point of view of a can of succotash. <laughs> and it wasn't just any can of succotash. It was a specific, it was, um, it was the last can of anything left on the supermarket shelves at, um, hold it at your Exeter town, a township. Remember Pantry Pride where the- Pathmark? Uh, no. Yeah. Um, hold it. Pathmark? No, maybe. Well, now I forget. It doesn't matter. Either way, it was there where the Gold's Gym is now. But, um, it was the last can of anything on the supermarket shelf. And it was just a big metaphor. It was a metaphor for me because um, I hated succotash. Yeah. And so what ninth grader doesn't hate themselves a little bit, right? And so, which is what I also say to students in their schools because people aren't that frank with them. Right. It's like, look, this is normal right. until it goes to every day, until it goes too far, until you start having thoughts that are so terrible about yourself that you have to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, 70% of teen mental health goes undiagnosed and untreated. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that they have an adult in their life that talks about it normally, mm-hmm. not like it's some some weird snake that's going to bite them. It probably already did. And they need someone to just go, oh, that's okay, okay. Yeah. Or that's not okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And there's help available, brilliant. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the whole point was, is 
isn't it cool that we're having this and we're in this conversation and you wouldn't have those books in front of you, nor would you have read them or had the experience or cried or any of those Mm -hmm. things had I not had your English teacher's mom as an English teacher in 1983. Shout out to Mrs. Roman. Rock on, Mrs. Roman. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And the weirdest, the coolest thing is when I tell people, it's like, yeah, I wrote that. But up until then, if I wrote something from the first person point of view of that bench over there or your microphone, but they'd be like, ah, no, Amy, be like, it has to be a person or at least a dog or mm-hmm. something. Or but basically, she just gave me an A and it was because I, well, because I was, it was, a, I used it right. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. But my surrealist style and, and my weirdness, she didn't, she didn't oh. censor it. And so here I am. And that's what I love. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I've read, um, I Crawl Through It was one that I really <laughs> love. Obviously, Please Ignore Verides is one of my favorite books of probably all time, I have to be honest. Because, so I, can we talk about this book now? Is that yeah, cool? Yeah. Um, I, just because of where we are in Reading and in Berks County. And oh, for yeah. me, this one obviously is the most obviously connected to where we are. Um, I did Ask the Passengers, I think, was the first book that I read. Um, and I was kind of like, wait, is that? Do it's I te- know? That's technically yeah. set in Oli. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I was like, it was like I was yeah. familiar and I was like, whoa, this is so crazy that I'm connected to this book. But where I live and it's this really fun thing. But please ignore Beard. Am I saying that right, Deets? Yep, yeah. Deets, you got um, it. Has the pagoda as a character, yeah, yeah, which I love. <laughs> and now that you're saying this about writing from the perspective of yes. an object and not a person, um, what I, what was that like? I don't know. Personifying this thing that we all know. There's four pictures of it where we're sitting right now. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally <laughs> everywhere. It's, it's almost omnipresent. As Readingites, we got I got to tell you how many places, like, I, I mean, I zoom into, like, the schools in Hong Kong or whatever, and they're like, how'd you get this idea for the pagoda? And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that's really my hometown. And then I have them Google it, or I, I or I have already Googled it, and I shared yeah. the screen to show them the actual pagoda. And they're like, that's not how I imagined it. I'm like, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, here's the deal, and this is the truth. Um, I never know what I'm going to write when I sit down. Sure. Okay? Which is weird. And it's, a lot of people plot, and I mean, now that I'm a teacher, I even now that I know a lot of writers, half of us plot, half of us don't. Um, it's not to say we don't have an idea in our head, or the but the book steers me. And so Vera steered me. When the pagoda showed up and had a first-person like point of view about something, I was like, that's weird. And I actually I was stacking up pages as I as I printed them out when I was when I was working back then. And I put that one aside. I didn't put it face down, like mm-hmm. in order. And then the pagoda came back a second time to want and to say more. And I was like, oh. I guess this thing really wants to talk, um, and so I, you know, but but you know, it was important for me, like on a structural side, like in a, on a nerdy writer's kind of side of it, it was important to have that bigger view because, of course, well, Vera's talking in the first person, right. and she's talking about how you know she's talking crap about her dad, and you know she's talking about her relationship with her with her late best friend and all this stuff. But then we get to pop up, we get to see your dad's point of view. Right. Oh, okay, that's cool. It gives us a wider view, and then we get to hear her late best friend's point of view. So that gives us a wider point of view, and then you get to see the pagoda's point of view. Which which is like all of humans are dumb. Like <laughs> I'm so sick of watching yes. humans make the same freaking mistakes. Littering and, on my hill. Right, right. Exactly. And so, you know, so I loved writing it for the fact that it could give me that strong old voice, you know, but I also loved the pagoda. I actually just took a visitor, uh, my good friend, E.E. E. Child and Trujillo, uh, another writer, um, up. Um, and I think they had read the book when they were, you know, before we knew each other. Mm-hmm. But um, it was really cool. It was cool to look into it. I mean, because I was there for when the last train 
left mm-hmm. Reading. Oh, okay. Wow. So wow. I was there the day my grandmother took us. And I used to go, when I was a kid, I used to go into town and go to Pomeroy's little white sales and these sorts of things. And then Reading became a different place slowly. And, um, you know, and, and to the fault of, to, of well, no, no one other than the people who should have had their eyes open and the fact that we weren't, mm, we weren't ready yet for, to, diversify our thinking for a a more diverse and different Mm -hmm. population. Um, And so it just sort of turned into a different place. Um, But I also love what it it is. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I love the change. You know, you'll see a lot of people my age, I don't go in the city anymore. It's too dangerous. I'm like, that's code, first of all. And second of all, Mm -hmm. um, you know... um, no, it's not actually. You know, it's it's a fine place to go. I mean, I delivered pizzas here for a long time on the <laughs> east side of Reading. I, you know, I only had one ropey situation, and uh, when I was delivering pizza, and it was in a rural area, it was mm-hmm. not in the city. Mm-hmm. But how is it to write that book? It was cool. It was nice to be able to to set it in Reading, to feel Reading, to you know, to drive down Skyline Drive, to you know, I don't know, to just have it set in that place, yeah. and to also talk a bit about delivering pizza, which is yeah. fun because I also delivered pizza. So I kind of put it together. A lot of my work is slightly auto fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you never know which parts right. are auto fiction. And please ignore Vera Deeds, for example. No, we're not close enough. If I could, I would lean over to you. And there's a part in that book where Vera gets dropped on her head by a skinhead. And I have quite a significant lump on my head, you know, 35 or 40 years later, 35 years later from that experience. So I put my own experiences yeah. in my books because weird stuff happens to me. It's weird. You can feel it, though, too, that it's, you know, there's such a personal draw to mm. your work, um, which I think for me in general, I'm drawn to that when I read. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to, not even if it's connecting to somebody, but just, I don't know, like feeling that connection it's is It's an really authenticity. Important. Yeah. Because that's, yeah. that's what Zindel did for me. Mm. Zindel gave me that authentic. That's why you cried, mm-hmm. lady. Yeah. Because it was this authentic... And I know that scene. I've read it many times. And those kids are wrecking that house. And Mr. Pignati's the nicest man. And you're just, you want to make mm. it stop. And you know they want to make it stop. And yeah. they cannot stop the machine that they started. And yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. And it's really sad. It's a sad story. But it's authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's the one. Knowing the people now that I know who knew Paul Zendel um, and talking about some of his work, that was the same kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he did not, he didn't... Um, you know, there was some auto fiction in that sure. too. We'll put it. Say. I have to read this book. I need to add that to my talk TBR. about like authenticity. I I feel when I read your works that, and I don't know where this comes from because I've always considered myself, you know, queer and liberal and progressive and all these things, and I'm like, oh, you can say that. Like <laughs> I like that. Vera is struggling with drinking, right? Yeah. And that Been I shrinking. have struggled with drinking and I I choose not to drink that like knowing that your books are for young audiences mm-hmm. and there's this sensibility in me that develops of like oh, you can't say that to kids and I'm like where does that come from because I want to have earnest conversations with kids and when I do have conversations with like 11 12 year olds other people overhear it and they'll be like how do you talk to kids that way and I'm like mm-hmm. you just talk to them like anybody That's right like right. you don't mm-hmm. be dumb it down or That's baby right. But then I'm reading your books and then I'm like, can we say this? Are kids allowed to read these things? And, you know, coming back to the conversation of like banned books and what's okay, that like, I, 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 it's not really a question, just celebrating that you make the space 
to have earnest and transparent conversations with kids about things that they are absolutely dealing with. That's it. They're absolutely dealing with them. That's right. that. That's and that's really the bottom line. When someone's like, "How did you write? Why did you write about this?" I'm like, "Because like half the people, half the kids I know are dealing with this." Yeah. And it's sort of like. You know, the idea that, like, at the moment, the banning is mostly, like, it's the easy target, so it's LGBTQ, you know, material, fine, whatever, we're used to it. But at the moment, most of the banning that's happening is incredibly racist. They're trying to ban um, our actual history, and it's really kind of confusing and strange, but it'll it'll pass, I hope. Um, But as for those experiences... You know, uh, yeah, I mean, binge drinking is something people do, and they do it to hide, and they do it to run from their trauma. The problem is is that teens are disallowed their trauma. Adults won't allow it. Adults are like, no, no, you're nothing. No, if it happens to you before 18, it's only little. It's like, actually, no, the reason you're so messed up and saying crap like that to that kid is because it happened to you when you were little. Like, I'm tired of it. We've had 15 generations in this country who've been running from trauma, lying about our history, all this stuff, and trying to shut everything down, shut it down, shut it down. I'm here to open it up. I want to open up a conversation. Um, I'll always want to open up a conversation because it's how you solve stuff. Yeah. You can't, you know, otherwise do it. But it's funny because, you know, I have a few, but, but my the my books are banned, a few of them. The biggest one, you know, is the, the one that's specifically queer. And it's like, that's not even, I've never gotten a hate letter from that. I get hate mail about all kinds of things. And I, I that's a book about love. Yeah. That's not really a book about queerness. It's a book about love. And, but both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, that's what I want. I mean, what else would I write about? Fair, you know, like fairies and 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 you know turtles, like and you know, like and yeah. unicorns and rainbows. That's nice and all, but you know, the idea is that you have to give young people something to hold on to. This world is messed up, and this world that they're living through. I'm so tired of adults that are my age, a little older, going. Oh well, I had to hide under a desk when I was a kid. When I talk about intruder drills, like you had mentioned, I crawl through it. I crawl through it was at the when I wrote I crawl through it. That would have been thirteen. I wrote it. Um, it was published in fifteen. There were no studies yet on whether or not intruder drills were um, traumatizing to young people. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about kindergartners. We're talking about preschoolers um, all the way up. And there's a point where you're doing these drills and you don't know what they're for. And then there's a point where you know what they're for. And, you know, it's interesting. I raised two kids and I don't remember them ever, us unpacking that day. Mm -hmm. But we unpacked it eventually and we Mm -hmm. talked about it. But... You know, this idea that, that, oh, kids are just, you know, softer and all that snowflake stuff. Like, honestly, if someone is calling someone else a snowflake, that is projection. (laughs) Because they can't handle that there's a book about what? You know, stuff that happens every day? Stuff that happened to them? Stuff that happened to their friends? But we shouldn't be concerned about it because we just should, what, march forward and, what, wreck the place? Like, no. Um, And this is why you cried again at at the pigment. But, yeah, I can do those things. And it's funny... Relating to Vera Dietz and the drinking, I was in a town in Massachusetts. They did a community read, and this was really cool. So the community center provided the books for, let's say, the grandparents, and then the kids were reading it in school, and then the parents were also, you know, given the books from the community oh, cool. center. Okay, so they were free books for all these people to read, and then they were going to have um, meetings every, I don't know, I think it was every three weeks. Um, so that they could have discussions in the community, and then eventually I was going to come and be there. And what I was told was interesting, and I understand this because my age, we're in the middle of, you know, we're taking care of our folks, we're taking care of our kids, we have no time to read a stupid book, let's all be fair, right? I get it, right? So everybody was having these discussions, and then suddenly my generation popped in, 
And they were like, I can't believe this book's about drinking. This doesn't happen in our school district. And they were the ones that were freaking out. The best part is that their parents were in the room or their parents' generation was in the room looking at them going, yeah, you know, you did the same thing. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Remember that 1986, that time I got called or whatever, you know? And so it was interesting to have the kids in the room being mortified that their parents were complaining and then watching their grandparents smack their parents down and go, you were the exact same, shut up. It was an amazing thing to watch, but it was really cool to see that. And and as I get older, I have to say like, it's some weird perspective. Like you get, 50 is a weird age. Once you get over that, you're like, wait, I see things differently now. Um, and and I'm assuming it just keeps, I know it keeps happening because I have friends who are older than me and it is kind of cool because you let go of all that kind of uptight stuff or at least I hope you do. You know, you eventually yeah. let go of the uptight stuff and you just, I don't know, for me, I just want to help kids. That's yeah. it. So yeah. ban me all you want. I'm still helping kids. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm obsessed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I I wonder where that feeling comes from. That like, for me, I feel like it's like I just want I want them to be okay. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. I I want to. You know, we have that saying of like protect them at all costs. But it's like I. I struggle with assuming positive intent when I think other people are being assholes. Oh, you know what I mean? Me too. And like, Water sign. Everybody's just doing their best. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, everybody's just doing it. Like, I really struggle with that, and I'm trying to get better, but I am trying to understand when people are trying to protect the children or when they're trying to, you know, keep them sheltered from X, Y, or Z. It's like, what is the root cause? Where is that coming from? And, like, if we're assuming positive intent, what is the the intent there? Right, like... Right. Well, I mean, I had someone, I had someone tell me the other month. It was actually in in autumn, late autumn. Um, did you know that in kindergarten they're teaching about sex because there's sex books for kindergartners? And I had to look at them and say, you do know what I do for a living, right? Like I don't just, I don't just write. I teach. I'm an expert in children's literature, and I can tell you there are no books like that. But also. Yeah. Why are you dissing kindergarten teachers? Those people are awesome. Yeah. When was the last time you met a teacher who wanted to hurt a child? That doesn't look. That doesn't even exist. Who got you believing that? Yeah. And then we get into the propaganda laws that are on the books that no one's actually uh, using right now, and that's a shame because that is a. And as a former literacy, I was a literacy teacher for thirty years and taught adults how to read and. One of the things I understand about American adults at the moment is, you know, you need to understand that fifty-four percent of our population is at a literacy level of sixth grade or below, okay? That's voting, that's adults, okay? That's voting age. So 54% of our American adults are 54%. Oh, you look very shocked, lady, but just I wait, am. wait, just wait. It gets even better. Um, and so, and I mean that in a terrible way. So that's 54% sixth grade or, 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 or below, okay? Yeah. And when it comes to truly non-literate, you're only looking at maybe about eight, six to 8%, all right? Yeah. But then the next chunk up, you think, oh, well, it's only 54. That must mean 46% or no. About 30% of that 46% are really only operating maybe at the high school level. It doesn't matter what their degree is in. It means where they're operating on a on a, a comprehension level. How far can they go into um, researching a story, fact-checking a thing, To and how far can they get, how much can they understand? So you're really only looking at about... F- Six, we'll say sixteen percent of the American population, adult wow. population, who um, have that ability to to think critically in in that way. So it's really kind of strange. Yeah, have a look at the wow. is it PIAAC uh, report? Um, it's pretty damning. But wow. again, this is where I, I think about the kids, and I'm like, they are the way forward, and they always have been. Yeah. Um, 
So this is why people are trying to shut them down right now that they're getting into voting age. It's like, oh, people know, you know, you know. You mentioned you're a painter. What type of things do you paint? Well, you know, if you ask me, I'm going to say they're not very good. Um, But I paint anything. I actually, um, I'm doing a series on uh, Lizzie's house, um, which is so interesting. Um, Lizzie's house was a house, was, I hate to say was, a house out in Exeter Township. Um, It's a very haunted house. It is the second most haunted place I have ever been inside, and I have been inside many times. Um, And um, I went sometime back in March, and they had just taken all the topsoil off so it just stood like bleakly in the middle of this dirt and I took so many pictures of it and so I've been doing a series on Lizzie's house but then it was demolished the very next week Oh, wow. Lizzie so, Lincoln, right? Lizzie Lincoln. Behind yeah, the Lincoln sheets Road. down there. Yeah. yeah. Behind the sheets, what a thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, grew, I grew up like a stone's yeah. throw away from there. Right and on. for a while, it was a haunted house. Oh, yeah. They they they, they did that. All like right. an attraction. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to say like Macero, like the... It was... Um, oh. No. No, that's the person who's bought it. The person who had it before was the... Um, I can't remember. There's actually an article online about it. You can okay. look it up and because it, it was kind of in the news recently okay. um, before they demolished it. But that's the person who now has it and is making the landfill that was totally illegal next to it yeah. that was there for, I think, more than 30 years, which I did not realize, A, there was a landfill there, yeah. and B, that it was illegal and a toxic waste dump for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Um, but that's a great thing for a sequel to this other book that I'm writing. So I'm really excited. I was like, oh, toxic waste, I'm in. Because yeah. <laughs> I love talking to third graders about it, the environment, which yeah. I never thought I would because I'm, I'm so in that YA space. I'm so in that young adult space. Mm-hmm. And, and my young adult is crossover. Even the New York Times says it. Like half my adult my readers are adults, half my readers are teens. But that was the point. Mm-hmm. When I was in the lunch line at junior high, right outside the metal shop window, yeah. um, I was standing there and I'm like, I want to write books that help adults understand teens and help teens understand adults. That's what I I want to write and that's what I was I'm hoping I do I still get the letters from the adults I'm not in your age group but I'm not in the I'm not in the targeted group to run oh, like no. you are you no. just don't I'll know I'll read and YA then, forever and ever yeah. and ever yeah, yeah. Well, and this there's is, something and, nostalgic too but, yeah, yeah. yeah and you know the one thing I've been saying to teens in their schools this year now that I'm back on the road we'll say post-pandemic, but it's not post-pandemic, is it? Um, but it kind of is, is that you know we've been taught of the wrong we've been taught the wrong definition of growing up growing mm-hmm. up looks like this um I have a story because I visited a, a young person that had just turned 20, like oh, like a month before. And I asked her about her little brother. And she goes, oh, teenagers. And she rolls her eyes. <laughs> and, and I was like, wait a second. You were just a teenager, you know? And that, you know, that is because we were, because we are actively encouraged in our culture, our American culture, our capitalist culture, because we're trying to sell, okay, things to teenagers. Um, to bully teenagers. We are actively encouraged to make fun of what they like. We're actively encouraged to, you know, put pressure on them and, and, and really just sort of cut them down, cut them down, cut them down, tell them that what they're saying doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, and I'm here to go into their schools and say, hey, you know, did you know that the word teenager was only came into popular usage in the 1950s? Why do you think that is? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, because I wanted to sell you crap you don't need. Mm-hmm. Now, I said, they, they do that. I'm like, I don't know what they were trying to sell you on your Instagram this morning. But today they were trying to sell me some weird wrinkle thing for my chest because <laughs> oh they think God. I'm concerned with my chest wrinkles. And that always makes them laugh because <laughs> we're having the same experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going on to this thing that we, will, that we pay for yeah. that tells us that we're crappy. Yeah. And, and that we need to buy their crap. And so we end up like, you know, 
getting into that space where honestly, and honestly, I don't know why we separate ourselves as, as adults from teenagers. They're, they honestly, they're, we're just the same people. I feel like the same person I was when I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little more confident, but only recently. Yeah. Only yeah. recently. Throw me another random question. What else you have? Yeah. <laughs> Ireland. Mm. Yeah. You lived there from... Two. I lived there from about like... I think technically I lived there 11 or 12 years. Okay. But um, yeah, Ireland. My ex-husband is... is well, I was going to say was Irish, but he's still Irish. Um, and that's how I ended up there. Um, you know, you asked me before we started recording that, you know, is, was it sort of like, I can't wait to get out of Reading, you know, or I can't wait to get out of Berks County. It wasn't. My, my can't wait to get out of Berks County moment was going to Philadelphia or just knowing... Because like, I love Philadelphia. I think it's a great town. Um, but... It was beautiful. I loved it. And that's where I started writing books. Um, but, you know, I write books from, I write books in order to survive trauma. It's the exact same reason I paint. Um, so I was surviving like day to day stuff, right? And that's what made me write books. And I'm glad for it. Like, I can't say I loved that. I didn't love that. I didn't love having a, a scary life or a difficult life, but I do love that it it ended up being art. So like, that's what I did with it. Um, yeah. But I love Ireland. Um, being a literacy teacher there was amazing. Um, living out in the country and, and being self-sufficient and raising chickens and eating my own organic food and, and you know, wiring a house and all that stuff was really interesting to me. Um, and it was, it was definitely... I don't know. It connected me with some stuff in Jamaica as well. So I got to, it, it, it wasn't just that I got to, well, literacy did, right? Because, you know, Ireland has a bad literacy problem, but Jamaica has a really bad, really bad, you know, literacy problem. So there was so much I learned there, but, you know, and, you know, I'm an EU citizen for life now. So um, cool. yeah, I'm about to go and, and, and have a little jaunt soon. Um, and that'll be fun uh, with my kid. Show him some cool places and look at some universities over there because if he's got, he has an EU passport too. So yeah. I've had, I've been able to look at him and he's getting to that age where he's like, wait, school loans. So school loans are going to be, I was like, yeah, but here's some, uh, there's a free option. Yeah. yeah. You want a free option or close to free? Here mm. we go. So we're going to have a look and see, but oh, yeah, you know, awesome. Ireland was lovely. It was beautiful. It, it was a good experience for me in many ways, but I'm still processing some of it, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That'll be another book. Yeah, <laughs> great. Can't wait to read it. How many yeah. books have you published at this point? Published, I think, like 14, but I've written 29. There's, oh, there's wow. a good few in my that attic. That y'all won the vault. Yeah. Like yeah. what's unwritten or like <laughs> You'll never read them. They were terrible. My first, <laughs> it took me 15 years to get published, you guys. I started writing novels wow. when I was 24 and I got published when I was 40. So like people often ask like, how did you hold on that long? And I was like, first of all, I was writing at my trauma and stuff. But second of all, I'm, st I'm a Taurus moon. Uh, once I realized what a Taurus moon meant, what a Taurus moon is stubborn. Like you will hold mm -hmm. on for life. That explains a lot of things I held on to in my mm -hmm. life, right? Okay. But like... Um, but also I had something to say and I wanted to get, and I knew that I was getting better and then I just was in the wrong country to publish. And mm -hmm. so moving back to America was really smart too for that. And I got, I got to slowly kind of get myself into, um, the literary community here, which was cool. Very cool. Yeah. do this thing where we would love to invite you to a dinner party. Okay. So set the scene. We're at a table. You know, we're chit-chatting. We're mingling. Is there's one person, you know, 
with us or not, with some notoriety, always he says yeah. some someone famous that we might know that you know you walk into this dinner party and they say you made it. We're so happy to see you. Who is that person for you? They're saying it to you. Yeah, I'm so confused. Hold on. So it's who's a famous person. Yeah. yeah, who's really excited to meet you? <gasps> oh, and they could be living or deceased. Yes. But you walk into this dinner party and that person is like, Amy, you made it. Yeah. What a great and weird question. You guys are weird. I yeah, love it. We're, we're real weird. Um, Jimi Hendrix. Nice. <gasps> I would really, and I think he would. I think he would. I think he would. I think the two of us, he'd be, yeah. I don't know. I think he'd dig me. Yeah. And I think, I, think so. I would dig him. Yeah. Do you have a question or something you'd want to ask? Will you come home with me tonight, Jimmy? <laughs> I think Ooh. that. <laughs> you want to go for a drive on Skyline Drive? <laughs> <laughs> want to go see the Pagoda, Jimmy? No, like, I mean, no, no, no. I mean, I'm too old to say things like that. But I'm not really. Um, but no, I mean, honestly, I would have him come home. We would just drink endless tea and talk. I yeah. just want to talk to him about how, how, I don't know. Like, he taught me to fly my freak flag high. And nice. I'm so glad I found him when I... I found him when I was 11, y'all. Wow. So I've been a Hendrix pervert since I'm 11. <laughs> and um, I just love him. I just love his work. I love everything about... I love how he hated his singing voice. I love how... Because that's authentic. Mm-hmm. That's so real. I you know, know those, that. Yeah, he yeah, hated his singing him. voice. He really did. And <laughs> and yet, if you listen to his... The, you know, the actual, like, arrangement, like, he was usually... Playing the melody on the on the actually just with his fingers he usually wasn't plucking but playing the melody of what he was singing at the same time it's a, just the construction of his music is bonkers he was a he was very special but I would I I think like he'd be I think he'd I don't know I have a connection with him mm-hmm. I have some cosmic things going on yeah. in my life and I have a connection with Jimmy yeah. so yeah that's a great answer yeah yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I'm so glad you asked me to come in here. I could oh, talk I'm, for hours. I, I We might we should, have we, to do a whole Amy Sarah King podcast. Maybe. <laughs> Just, <laughs> this is the 16th podcast. You asking it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can visit every now and again. I can come back. We can talk about cool stuff that, like, yeah. isn't me. Like, we can talk True. about, like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm in the midst of, like, researching my PhD at the moment and trying to write my bibliography and mm. read all these crazy books and... Like I don't know. None Wait, can we real quick dig into that? You're in. You're currently in a PhD program. I'm, I'm hoping they say yes to me, but I'm about to be. I hope. Yeah. Where are you um, allowed in, to say? And well, I hope it's in the UK. Okay. So it's it's um, it's one that can do exactly what I need it to do. Meaning I don't have to live there. Great. Um, and they, I, you know, they really are uh, open to self starters. And I mean, I'm clearly a self starter because I literally do everything myself. Yeah. I'm also about to start a press. Actually, it's a niche weird press that will never make me any money, and it's such a weird idea. But I'm totally going to do that. I'm going to do a Kickstarter. I think later this year and start a new press. So I have a bunch of so I'm I'm branching out. I think since I won this, um, I won a Lifetime Achievement Award last yeah. year, and I was yeah. like, okay, shit, what do I do now? <laughs> like, you know, and I'm like, well, I can continue to do what I do, and I'm in the middle of this now. My next YA is is um, is a sledgehammer. It's a it's a winner, oh. um, and so I'm working on that. But also, I wanted to branch out. I want to take a leap of faith and do something different, and. Um, and also give new writers a, a place to publish and a new, new, especially new, marginalized, surrealist, or weird writers 
a place to publish because wow. that's why I didn't get published for 15 years. They wow. kept telling me, you're a woman, you're not allowed to be weird. And I was like, wait a second. I mean, they didn't say it that way, but that's what they said. They're Sometimes. like, oh, well, your audience wouldn't like this. And I had to say, who's my audience? They're like, women, of course. I'm like, why, what? You're yeah. weird. <laughs> um, and so I, I want to be able to build that space and somehow at least it means that they get a publication credit. So that means that they can, you know, build up. But yeah. Yeah. I have a lot to do to start to start that wow. press because it starts with my my autoethnography. It starts with my my memoir kind of wow. um, in short bits in art, both visual and written. So wow. yeah, I got a busy year or yeah, two you know. ahead. Well, if but, you can squeeze us in. Always. We'll love to have you back. <laughs> Man, if you invite me back, I'll be here in a heartbeat. I, I dig you guys. And where can awesome. people find you? Socials? Oh, yeah. sweet. She's the mom, isn't she? Yeah, yeah totally. Um, socials. So you can find me at as-king.com. Um, you can just Google A.S. King and I pop up, I think. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. The, although it would not publish my my thread today. I don't know. I'm looking at that going, mm, I think that's something behind that. Um, Mr. Mr. Musk. You can find me on Twitter at um, A.S. underscore King. You can find me on Instagram at A.S. underscore King underscore, which makes it kind of confusing, but you'll find me. Um, but I do think I'm going to be leaving Twitter now that that it has been made incredibly clear how transphobic, um, not transphobic, I mean, they want to murder people. So I don't even know. I don't know. That's Yeah, that is transphobic, but it's uh, worse. So I don't really think, um, I don't think I'm going to be on there anymore. Join me on the other side. I'm, yeah. I got out. And got out. Yeah, I, pr I prefer to back. just not replace it either. I'm like, I don't yeah. need this. I'd rather read yeah. a book. Yep. So, really hey, before it. we leave, can I ask you a quick question? What I've book are you reading now? Are you reading a book right now? What was the last book you read that you loved? How about that? I was working on Vera Dietz this weekend. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. I am, I'm currently reading A Few Good Indians. Okay. Super fucked up. Oh, is that... Um, it was a was gift that? from a friend, so okay. I don't remember who wrote it. A Few um, Good Indians, it's not... Um, I started a book club with two friends, shout out to Danny and Emily, in June of 2020, and we're on our 38th book. And I'm trying <gasps> wow. to remember... I'm in love with that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what book we read for that last... So I'm pulling up the spreadsheet because talk about nerds. Wow, you're way nerdier <laughs> than me because I don't like spreadsheets. I oh. use Word to do all my spreadsheet work and my spreadsheet friends are like, you're crazy. I'm like, I just can't. Spreadsheets are just not for me. Excel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, drive your plow over I'm the bones of the dead. It's wow. the last one we read for a book club. Wow, I love yeah. it. <laughs> okay, whatever. I mean, this is all good. I love trading book. I'm reading, I'm about to read, um, the, I'm going to see the Cy Twombly exhibit up in Boston this okay. weekend because it's about to close and I will drive anywhere to see Cy Twombly. And um, I have to, I was like, I need to reread the Iliad. Well, I don't, wow. I can't do that in four days. So, <laughs> But I always wanted to read Gareth Hines' um, Odyssey and Iliad. They are both um, illustrated. They're both oh, like graphic cool. novels, right? And, or, yeah, whatever you want to call it, graphic translations or however it works. <laughs> Either way, flipping wonderful, really okay, well cool. done. So okay. I highly recommend. If anybody was like, I always want to read the Iliad, but no, I'd be like, oh, get Gareth Hines' graphic Good novel. It's really great. Okay. Well illustrated and the story is well told. Yeah. I think it was The Secret History, Donald okay. Hart, I think. Oh. That's the last one I remember vividly, so okay. we'll just go with that. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's what matters. Yeah. 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 Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Amy, thank you so much. Thank you so Truly. much. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. I appreciate having me in. Yeah, we'll oh, see you again soon. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listener, thanks so much for tuning in and hanging out with us. We're so glad that you can make it. Catch us next time on Spotify and now Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, and leave a comment if you like what you hear. 
If you want to chat with us, send us an email at youmadeit at goggleworks.org or catch us on Instagram at, at goggleworks. Huge thanks to Jay at Pagoda City, Goggleworks, and all you people making stuff. Keep doing your thing, and we'll see you later. Amy's our king. Welcome to Hi. You Made It! Hello. Hello. I'm a Pisces. <laughs> water sign. Yes. Nice. A little water sign. Yes. But I'm a Taurus moon.